everyone and welcome to episode 60 of the retrospectors podcast another world my name is patrick arthur and i'm joined as always by my co-host james turlings james we're doing another world a game that i have never heard of but apparently everyone else has what is it that inspired you to choose this game for episode 60 well this isn't the first game that you'd uh, never heard of but literally everybody <laughs> else had uh, when we did uh, Mega Man <laughs> battle network i think that was the case there as well um so i was actually uh, suggested this game from our discord users and i you know took one look at the visuals and was like we're absolutely playing this game um so you know we've gone through and beaten the game now and we'll uh, have a bit of a chat about whether it uh, lived up to my initial hype well, it's quite interesting because, you know, I posted on Twitter about how we were playing this game and multiple people were like, oh my God, you're doing this game finally. And uh, yeah, it's one of those games that just represents a gap in my, you know, knowledge of gaming history. Because at the time this game released, it was considered revolutionary for its use of, um, you know, cinematic platforming gameplay instead of, you know, your traditional platforming, much in the same vein as, you know, Prince of Persia. So yeah, I'm glad that I got to got the opportunity to play this game from a historical perspective because, you know, it just fills in some of those gaps. But um, that's not what this show is about. We're the Retrospectors podcast and each and every fortnight we play a game through from start to finish, not with the intention of appreciating it historically, but instead to evaluate how fun or good these games are to play today. We don't really care about the impact on the gaming landscape in the time in which these games released. We just want to know if it's a true classic, if it's truly stood the test of time, and if there's anything that modern games can perhaps learn from these classics. Something that I believe has come up multiple times over the course of us doing this podcast, even if there are a lot of failures along the way. Um, so Another World was first released in 1991 by Delphine Software, and it was almost entirely the work of a single person called Eric Chahai, and forgive me for these pronunciations. He got help with the music from Jean-Francois Fretas, but apart from that, it was his dream. He was a, he was a true indie developer. Um, there are many, many, many versions of this game. It was first released for the Amiga and Atari ST, but it saw ports to consoles like the Genesis and Super Nintendo, uh, the Game Boy Advance, uh, on all the PC platforms, MS-DOS, Macintosh. In addition to that, there are two anniversary editions. One's the 15th anniversary and one's the 20th anniversary edition, with the 20th anniversary edition releasing a couple of years ago on the Switch. So depending on which version you play, you have additional levels, you have different amounts of checkpoints, completely different graphics, different music and sound, different controls and degree of input lag, and even music or no music. So you're going to get a fairly different experience depending on what version you choose to play. Because it was also complicated, uh, James and I just chose to play with the 20th anniversary edition, which has um, like a graphics toggle. It's got different difficulty settings and it's probably the most accessible for anyone to access without emulating. But if you want to play this game, you should do the research on exactly which version you're after because there, there are many different versions and they all have their strengths and weaknesses. So yeah, that about wraps it up. There's a lot more history you can explore, but we're here to talk about the video game. I guess the first thing to mention is that normally we try to keep our initial discussion of these games spoiler-free. And for the most part, we will try to do that with Another World, but I feel it's necessary to give some examples of the gameplay and some of the frustrations I had with it, which will involve giving detailed examples of some of the gameplay situations. And Another World isn't a very long game. So we are going to be moving into spoiler territory here um, for pretty much the entire cast, not because we deliberately want to delve into every puzzle, just because by necessity we need to explain the kinds of problems we had with the games. So I don't think us spoiling these things will massively impact the nature of the experience you have. So in that sense, I think spoilers are fine, but just um, forewarning about spoilers. The game is so short, there's like no way we can avoid this entirely, right? 
Yeah, that that's the problem. It's not a game with a hundred puzzles. It's a game with twenty. So spoiling even one or two is going to you know lead to a big chunk of the game being spoiled. But I honestly don't think it's a big deal. And if someone had discussed it for me, it wouldn't have dramatically impacted my experience. Oh yeah, I would have been um, unable to do them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so another world. It begins with Lester, who's a young physicist rocking up to a secret lab in the dead of night during a thunderstorm in a Ferrari. So obviously a very wealthy physicist. He goes into his lab and runs an experiment using a particle accelerator, um, kind of like a la- the Hadron Collider. Although at the time this game was released, um, I doubt many people knew what a particle accelerator was. As the experiment reaches its zenith, um, the lab is struck by lightning and Lester finds himself and his desk and much of his equipment immediately teleported to another world in a body of water and that's the setup for another world that's all you get at the start of the game so james what do you want to talk about first well the reason i decided to play this game to begin with was the striking visual presentation so how about we start with that hey um another world uses a very minimalistic art direction i'm gonna say it uses very simple color palette with uh, the main character having like solid block colors for each of his limbs his hair his chest his face um and it's all animated in this like with this rotoscope fashion so the person who's made this game has gone and taken videos of people himself uh, doing actions and then has just traced over it for all of the cutscenes. and it's quite striking even today i must say yeah, it's quite funny. When this game first came out, those rotoscope animations, like with Prince of Persia, were, were considered revolutionary because instead of just having a sprite move left and right, you actually had animations for, you know, grabbing ledges and picking themselves up and all that thing. And today they're still striking, but not because they're revolutionary, but because they have a very unique kind of style and signature to them. So like you, I was very taken by the animation and the visuals. I think it's a gorgeous game. Um, One of the things I wanted to ask you about, James, is how you played this game. On the 20th anniversary edition, there's um, there's a graphics toggle where you can toggle between a far more retro 16 bit ish looking graphical style and a high definitional uh, graphic style which was quite easy to implement because of the vector graphics was there a particular style you preferred or were there aspects of each style you preferred yeah so i actually strongly preferred the like the updated sprites um particularly because all of the background art um, has much better shading and like more detail in it. I don't think the original release looks bad. In fact, I think it's still quite striking now. Um, I just think that there's a, like there's Liz's cleanness to the new visuals that I just kind of love. Like to me, this game is the like the epitome of you know less is more. And I think that with the high resolution, you know, flat textures, everything just kind of like works towards that really well. Yeah, I'm I'm afraid I'm the complete opposite of you, James. I love the old art style far more than the new one, although I don't hate the new one. The old art style, I feel, leaves more to the imagination. When you've got fewer pixels to work with and when the characters and environments are made of less pixels, you kind of extrapolate from them to build build a sense of place in the same way that you do with an impressionist painting. Uh, The HD graphics, I felt you just had these big stretched uh, textures that didn't have the same charm. Can you really stretch a texture if it's a single color? (laughs) Well, that's what I mean. It's not a stretched texture. Sorry, that's that's poor. (laughs) That's a poor technical way to put it. But it's just a big, ugly block instead of a more interesting but lower resolution collection of pixels. Okay, so I think that something that this game did incredibly well um, was used like suggestion and you know implied detail in all the character models and the environments and I think that you know even you know when everything's crystal clear that still came through in the game in the newer um, resolution yeah to me the old resolution is clearly better at doing that like I said I didn't hate the newer resolution and I think that there was something almost like paper crafty about how the models looked so it was a un- it was still a unique look. And I do agree with you that there are a few background scenes that are absolutely stunning in the HD uh, release. But overall, yeah, I I just preferred the old graphics. I felt that they um, 
they captured the spirit of the place far better. Mm, I don't think we've played a game with an art style this minimalistic before, right? Like uh, almost everything is, you know, inferred to the player through these rough shapes or like uh, big blocky, you know, designs. Um, and to me, like a lot of the a lot of the shot framing, because there's screens, like it's not a you know, you're not playing a 2D platformer where the camera scrolls continuously. Um, when you transition from room to room, you know, there is a fixed camera in each room. Um, and to me, the like the shot framing, it was really reminiscent of like comic book paneling. Um, they made really good use of like blocking out large parts of the screen in order to, you know, give a, like a feeling or a sense. Like, for example, you're in this underground prison and like the top like two thirds of the screen is just blocked out with like dark earthen textures that gives it this really like claustrophobic feel. Like you're in this underground prison and it feels a bit like unsettling. Um, and I think they did the framing of shots uh, really well throughout the whole game. Yeah, it's very um, artful. Every frame is a painting. It's uh, There's a lot of deliberation in how it sets every scene. One of my favorite things that the game does from a visual perspective is it, how it uses the foreground uh, with animation even. A lot of the time as you're walking along, you'll see lasers shot from the foreground towards where your character is in the background and even have enemy guards run across as if they're you know right next to you. And um, it's fantastic. Like it really adds to the sense of immersion when those um, when those foreground details happen. Something that I've seen very very rarely, even in games of today. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I, I love the the color palette too. Like they've chosen a very, you know, it's alien. They've got these bright purples and pinks and blues that you know aren't something you usually see on Earth. Um, to you know, kind of imply you know you're on another world and there's like alien creatures here. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of subdued, like you've got this occasional two-tone shading, um, but it's nothing, you know, over the top. It's very, it's always very simple, but I think um, when they've made, or he, when he's made this game, because this is a one-man project, he's done a really good job at um, implying a heap of detail with very little. Yeah, one of the things that it does really well is it seems to have this uh, merging of kind of like ancient barbarism with sci-fi technology like you've got arenas and you've got public baths and then you've also got laser guns and force fields and they're merged together beautifully it's uh it really feels like an alien culture because of that merger of things without it doing anything over the top like your traditional sci-fi star wars star trek it doesn't feel like that. It just feels like an alien place. And I agree with you. It's all done very subtly and with care. Mm. Well, this game actually has some gameplay too. So did you want to talk about that as well? Let's do it. So I would say the gameplay of Another World can be roughly divided into three areas. You have platforming, you have combat, and you have puzzles. And then kind of interwoven between all those three is a little bit of exploration to um but that's mostly to assist the uh the puzzles. Would you like to talk about a particular one of these things, James, or a unifying theme, or what 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 should we talk about first? Well, I think the most obvious um place to start is uh with the lethality of this game, right? This is mm -hmm. a very old school style of difficulty where you know any mistake will kill you instantly and send you back to a checkpoint um and i wasn't you know completely expecting this when i jumped into this game so like the moment the first cutscene opens you're you know you appear in this body of water um and i didn't realize the cutscene had ended and i drowned immediately and had to you know uh then take control of my character and get out of the water um, but, you know, over the next couple of rooms, uh, you encounter these these worms on the floor and you have to either jump over them or kick them out of the way. Um, and if they get a little attack on you, you die instantly because they have some weird off-world disease that will just kill you, right? So it's like a big loop of trial and error throughout the entire game. And how do you feel about this notion of trial and error? Because I think... The idea of trial of error is like a dirty thing in video games. The whole concept is hated to its core. And I think the most famous example of this, uh, for me at least, is uh, Super Mario Maker troll levels. Super Mario Maker is a game that I love and I love watching other people play. And the super expert runs that people do, they alternate between these 
um, really cool platforming challenges and occasionally they'll get a troll level and troll levels are just guessing games. You have one of two ways to go and if you go the wrong way, you die. And there's no real way to know which is the right way and troll levels are pretty universally hated by everyone who has to play them. Do you think trial and error can in some situations be good or is it just fundamentally flawed? Well, I think trial and error has a lot of nuance behind it, right? Like there's different kinds of trial and error. There's, you know, try, you know, maybe you don't know what to do. Um, so you need to try a bunch of different things in order to figure out the solution to the puzzle. Or maybe you do know what to do, but there's like a uh, there's like a mechanical execution component. So even though you know what to do, it might take you 10, 20 goes to get that down, you know, get with the right timing, you know, with jumps or like shooting at the right time, that kind of thing. Um, and I think a lot of games do it in a lot of different ways. And I think for me, Another World's Trial and Error was a bit hit or miss. There were definitely times where I thought they nailed it. Um, and there were other times where they failed just incredibly spectacularly, like next level, I can't believe that this got through testing kind of thing. Um, and I guess that the big thing for me is that when I have trial, like trial and error is in almost every game, honestly, right? Like one of my favorite games, Celeste, is really dangerous platformer like Super Meat Boy. But you have these really like little small rooms where you can fail and try again really rapidly. So you could like die, respawn, die, respawn, die, respawn in like 10 seconds. You could do that, right? Whereas in this game, I think that there's a lot of cases where um, you end up in these situations where you die, have to do like three minutes of tedious, you know, stuff that you've already done, then get to the bit that you're struggling with, die, and then, you know, do that first bit again to get there. Um, and I think that that happens a lot and was kind of frustrating for me. Yeah, I mean, for me, trial and error is kind of like fundamentally bad. I'm not I'm not a fan of it. I, I don't think... Uh, Games should have much trial and error, and they should try and minimize it whenever possible. Uh, Celeste, I think, is an example of a game that minimizes trial and error. You might not know exactly what to do when you first enter a room, but the joy of Celeste is in first figuring out what it is you need to do, and then you need to execute the platforming part successfully. And I think that if I was spending a very long time just figuring out what to do, I would find Celeste a far less enjoyable game. So you don't mind trial and error when it's an execution thing, but you do, you do mind it when it's like a puzzle thing. I, I think trial and error specifically refers to, I don't know what to do. I am going to try this thing. And if it fails, it fails. And if it succeeds, it succeeds and I move on. So um, trial and error, the way it works in another world is um, you'll walk into a room uh, you'll start moving forward and a guard will appear and shoot you and be like, okay, when I come into that room, I need to be ready for that guard and then I shoot them. And then you'll go into another room, you'll walk into the room, you'll see a guard and you'll shoot them and then you'll realize that you weren't actually meant to shoot that guard. There's no way to logically figure out what to do except by trying things essentially at random and then seeing what happens after the fact. That's that's very different from your experience playing Celeste. For example, you've got a pit on the floor, and you know you need to jump over it, right? Um, mm -hmm. So you try to jump over it, and you timed it incorrectly, so you fall into the pit, and then you need to try it, you know, another, like, five times to get the timing right. Is that not trial and error to you? I think that you can use your knowledge of past experiences doing jumps in order to hit the perfect jump. Uh, that's, a, that's a mechanical challenge, not a trial and error challenge. Perhaps when you first start learning a game and you don't know how the game mechanics function, sure, but once you know how to do a jump, I would not consider that trial and error. Right, so it's just, you, you see that, okay, I don't see that as being too different, to be honest. To me, it's just trying something until it works. Um, but, I, I mean, like, let's talk about specifically, like, puzzles. So, generally, I think that, you know, this game doesn't throw a lot at you. So there's generally, in a lot of cases, there's only you know, a handful of possibilities that you have to try in order to proceed. So 
like I said before, I think it's re the real the big problem is that it's hit or miss. Like sometimes there's like, you know, you walk into a room and you see three potential options, and you you know it takes you three deaths to get through the room. That kind of thing's fine to me. Um, but where stuff becomes kind of like weird is that in I guess the middle of the game there's this section that's in an underground cave. And I had this really awful experience with this part of the game, right? So you get into the cave um, and you, you know, you, I mean, I guess you're moving forward. You don't know anything about the cave. You're just going to try and get out of it so you can get back to um, your friend who you've met earlier. And right at the beginning, I figured out how to get out of the cave, like immediately and was like, that's weird. There's so many other pathways, um, but I found out how to get out of the cave and I've got into this palace. And I would progress through the palace and then die. And then the game would spawn me all the way back in the cave. And like, I tried for like an hour and a half to get through the palace, um, you know, going through the cave into the palace and then going through the palace only to be like, what the fuck is going on? Um, why isn't mm. it, you know, moving my checkpoints forward? Um, so I even dropped the game's difficulty down because I was like, maybe it's a difficulty thing. No, not the case. So eventually I looked it up online. Um, there's actually like this door in the caves that you need to open. And until you open the door, the game doesn't spawn more checkpoints. And there is no way to know this other than to get frustrated and Google it. Um, you know, maybe you could just eventually explore and open the door. But, you know, I got stuck in this shitty loop um, because the game didn't tell me what was going on at all like it was really fucking frustrating yeah this this part of the game i think is probably the worst part of the game because of how it's framed you need to go into this cave filled with many deadly creatures falling rocks that when i first reached those falling rocks i'm like oh i'm not able to get through here so fast are they falling you open a cave door that connects to an empty pit that's that's what you're trying to achieve. That's the and real then... thing that got me because the door opens into an empty room. So mm -hmm. it's like the game doesn't really communicate that that room's important. Um, like there's no ceiling on it and it's important later because it fills up with water. But there's no way to know that beforehand, I guess. So no, there's not. There's no. There's no reason to be down in that cave. Uh, if you're trying to escape, everything you do in that cave makes zero sense there's zero connection to trying to escape you literally walk into this cave past many deadly critters that'll just kill you in one shot to open a wall and then you go back and that's the entire loop that you do it's a massive misstep what i want to propose to you james though is have you have you seen or are you familiar with all you need is kill or edge of tomorrow no Okay, so it's that it's a time loop. They're time loop stories. Yep. The idea is that a person is stuck in a time loop and they're in a lethal, deadly world uh, where there are people killing them and they get killed pretty much immediately. The main character has no combat experience and they keep getting thrown in this combat scenario and killed immediately. But the thing is, every time they die, they reset the time loop. And what happens is, as the story progresses, they start memorizing how the battle goes. And when they start memorizing how the battle goes, you know, wait three steps here, aim aim in this direction, and so on and so forth, they keep getting further and further and further along, you know, with every death, with every death that passes. And while I was playing this game, that's what I thought of. I'm like, if you could frame this entire game somehow in terms of, when I die, I kind of get flashed back. It all of a sudden makes a lot more sense, right? Because you would go you would go through the palace and then you'd get to that bit with a pit, you'd fall down and die, but then you would be like, ah, what I need to do is go down to the caves. I agree from a mechanical point of view, it's still fucked. <laughs> like it, it's really bad that it sends you all the way back. But I think that there's a narrative problem here, and I think if they'd added a sci-fi twist, I think it would have worked far better. The idea that the autosave will just stop saving the game, like, and there's no way to know, because the game doesn't tell you when it saves the game. You only know when you die and you've gone, you know, you've respawned a bit forward. Um, like, it's just so hands-off. Like, there's, I feel like so many people must have got to this cave and just, like, quit the game forever um it's just it's really weird it's definitely the worst example of this in the game 
there's a lot of sections in the game where the trial and error is like you've got to you respawn and then you do a whole bunch of dumb bullshit and then you get to the bit that you care about and then you've got to do all that dumb bullshit again every time uh it's kind of even more egregious at the very end of the game that's supposed to end on this like climactic emotional moment um that if you fail it and you have to do it again it goes from being this you know tense moment to being really frustrating because of how long it takes yeah and you know you have to go through an incredibly tough combat sequence before before that as well it doesn't give throw another checkpoint to you along the way so yeah i um like overall I think that trial and error, if done correctly with a, you know, with a, a time travel travel gimmick with very frequent checkpoints could work. I, I think that there is a world in which this is conceptually sound and in which it could be quite cool. I mean, I love Edge of Tomorrow. I love All You Need Is Kill. They're, they're great stories and it's kind of very entertaining to think that with perfect knowledge, you could get through crazy lethal situations. I think that the way it's done in this game is incredibly poor and uh, it will work for short sequences and then it will break and be incredibly annoying and frustrating in others. However, there is something cool here. I, I think there's a there's a cool idea to be had here if a, if a new game developer wants to seize it by the reins. Yeah, I don't think it's got the idea wrong. I think he's got the right direction, right? Like if you just make all of the little puzzle sections a bit shorter with more frequent checkpoints um, and, you know, more, like, little interesting puzzles rather than big, long, tedious ones, right? Um, then you can have, you know, this really cool, you know, visual experience that this game was trying to have. In fact, I thought it'd be really cool if at the end of the game um, it kind of just replayed the game for you from start to finish because, like, a playthrough in total is what, like, an hour, maybe, if you were to do it... Less. If you if you were to do it right, it'd be like ten to twenty minutes. Like it yeah. wouldn't be very long at all. Yeah, I thought I was just hoping that right at the end of the game, you'd get to see you know you play out from start to finish right at the end. I thought that'd been really sweet because um, I think a lot of the you know a lot of the more interesting moments or poignant moments of the game are kind of like lost in this like soup of trial and error. Yeah, that's a fair point. A lot of the cinematic quality is lost when you see yourself dying three hundred times yeah. before you get through. <laughs> um, James, let's uh, let's have a music break, and then, um, well, first of all, let's talk a bit about the music, and then we'll have yeah, a music break. So we need to have a music break, but what music? There was like there, we could play the song from the start cutscene or the one from the end cutscene. <laughs> the version we played didn't have music because apparently. In this, you know, final remaster or whatever, the creator believes that his game is best without music. Was that what you were saying? Yeah, it, it seems like it, his vision of the game didn't have music. He did work with a musician uh, to to get music in in the early versions of the game, but to him, it was best played for purely, you know, to be a purely immersive experience. Um, James, it's quite funny when when we first started this podcast, like episode one episode two i shocked the world apparently by mm -hmm. saying that i listened to a lot of games without music because when i was playing these games i found the music broke my immersion uh i just wanted to hear the sounds of the world and not have like immersion breaking music coming in now in the years since i'm a changed man and i'm actually <laughs> quite into video game music now and i love video game music but I still think there is something to be said for a game without music where it's just a more minimalist sounds of the games happening. Do you believe after playing Another World that there is something to be said for playing a game without music? So I haven't played the game with the music, so I can't really compare, but I did miss it on occasion because the music that is there I did like. Um, and, you know, for the most part, I agree with you. Like, there are sections of the game that benefit greatly from the lack of music. Like, you've got, when you first appear in this other world, you know, that you, all you can hear is the wind and there's nothing. It feels very isolating. This is a very lonely experience for the, you know, the beginning of the game. You know, you're trapped by yourself on this strange world with nobody else. And I think that, you know, the lack of music there is perfect. Um, and, you know, running across these like windy bridges as well, you know, lack of music there is great. Where it doesn't work so well for me 
um, is when the game tries to have these like little emotional moments because a big part of the story, and we'll get to that, um, is you meeting this alien captive, freeing him, um, and then escaping together. And there are a couple of points where you guys interact where I absolutely thought there should have been music to underline, you know, what was happening in the scene, and it felt a bit weird for it to not be there. Mm. So when I was playing this game, one of the things that strikes you immediately is that this isn't a sedate point-and-click adventure game. Every every adventure puzzle game I've played has you kind of slowly ambling around the environment. You know, just recently we did Siberia, and that was a game where the music was perfect for these um, slow wanders through the environment. But I think that if you're going to have a game without music, it's this kind of game where death lurks around every corner because it kind of gives the world a kind of rawness, a kind of brutality. And that silence and that rawness underlines the atmosphere um, as much as anything else. And I would find the addition of that music perhaps cheesy. After listening to some of the music that was included with the game as a bonus instead of it being a soundtrack... I think it would probably have been fine because it's kind of very minimalist and uh, rather rather beautiful. Some like light synths occasionally that would have been okay. Like some, I don't think if there's this big the big bombastic soundtrack doesn't fit this game at all. Like you just need something really really subtle, really you know poignant to you know cap off some of the scenes. But on the whole, I, it didn't really bother me that much outside of like one or two scenes in the whole game. Um, and I think that, like you, uh, the lack of the music coupled with the kind of like rotoscoped animations and the way the other characters react to you makes it feel kind of like weirdly reactive and naturalistic, which I wasn't expecting mm. coming in. So we'll we'll cut to a music break now. Um, this is a song from the uh, from the new game from the twentieth anniversary edition because. You know, different editions of the games have very different soundtracks. So this is from the new soundtrack that was included with the game. It's called Prudence. that was the music from the newer soundtrack i liked it quite a bit even though we didn't get to hear about it um did you want to talk a bit about the gameplay in a more nitty-gritty detail kind of way yeah so the two other kind of major aspects of the gameplay are the platforming and the combat and they're kind of tied together with the controls so i guess where we'll start is the platforming because it's the more simplistic part the thing to understand about platforming in another world is that it is, take a drink, clunky. It is very clunky. There is both input lag and I'd call it end swing animation lag. And the way you control it is very, it feels very stiff and uh, not easy, not quick to respond. Uh, When you move left or right, it takes a little while for you to gather momentum. And when you decide to say perform a jump action, it won't jump immediately. There's a slight delay. And when you finish an action, um, when you come to a halt, you can't control your character again immediately. There's a there's a backswing is what I'd call it, you know, in a fighting game. It adds a real sense of weight to your movements and your decision making. And I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. I think that for the purpose of platforming, I actually quite like it. It was a very unique kind of experience having to be very 
deliberate with my jumps and uh, avoiding falling debris and the other minor platforming things that are thrown in your way. James, how, how did you feel about the platforming and the controls from a platforming perspective? So you're saying it's deliberate um, as opposed to other platforming? or? <laughs> uh, so I would say that it's it's deliberate in the sense that, and I mean, this ties into the trial and error thing. It be- It doesn't really feel like you can reactionary jump a lot of the times you have to know the jumps are coming and there's a there's a section in the caves where you're running away from water Water? that probably took me (laughs) 25 attempts because you have to prep the jumps like ahead of time and be ready to jump before the jump appears on the screen basically so i think other platformers you just kind of run along and you jump as you go you cannot do that in another world um i actually found it kind of responsive like that section you mentioned in the caves like once i realized that there was a jump like immediately on the second screen like as soon as the transition started i was just kind of like matching jump um in preparation for it um i quite liked the platforming the way it felt honestly like like you um, I think that the way the anima- the way it was animated and how it responds gives this real sense of weight. Um, you know, your character does feel like he's a real person. He's not like Mario bouncing around, you know, free as a bird. Um, he has momentum and he jumps and he lands heavily on the ground. Um, this isn't a person who's super athletic. He's like a, you know, a rich posh physicist kind of person like he does he's not very athletic at all there were some tricky bits too um i'm not sure that all of the level design i think that control wise and the way it felt was spot on um i think that some of the level design wasn't quite you know uh, accommodating for this style of movement though it did feel a bit weird in the cave there's a section with a bunch of like sinkholes but also some tentacle things coming from the ceiling Um, And in there, it felt really clunky, like you said. But that water section, I thought, was, you know, pretty fun. The the thing I found hardest in terms of platforming was transitioning between walking and running. There's a bit where you need to carefully time some runs under some falling rocks. And you gotta, you gotta really nail the timing. Like it's, it's kind of too hard (laughs) in a lot of ways to how precisely you need to nail the timing. And a large part of the difficulty is you press control to start running. And if you hold it down, you'll start running. But when you exit a run, there's a bit of a lag. You know, you've stopped running and it does the stop running animation. And then when you start running, you need to do the start running animation. So it's not easy to start and stop. And you are kind of required to start and stop. So I think that that was the one section where it felt like the controls didn't match the platforming challenges in front of you. Yeah, so I'm going to be more specific here. So with the controls, you basically have, you know, the up, down, left and right keys. Um, You have the jump button and then you have the action button, which does literally everything. And I fucking hate it. Um, Mm -hmm. So you have a gun and pressing action shoots the gun, holding action charges up the gun. Um, but also this same button is the button you press to sprint. So if you press action and then right, your character will shoot and not move, even though you wanted him to sprint. So what you have to do is like first press move and then press action because, and then even sometimes like you'll let go of the key and you'll come to a stop. And because you're holding action, he'll then shoot randomly and you'll lose, you know, precious gun charge because you have a laser and it, you know, only has so much charge. Um, I hate this. Honestly, I want them to be on a separate button. Like, I reckon 90% of the clunkiness of the platforming comes from the fact that both gun and sprint are on the same button. It feels like this weird missed opportunity, doesn't it? Like, the game's been remade a bazillion times why not just have shift be run and control be gun? Boom, game becomes a million times easier to control. And there's nothing really gained by having it on the same button. Like, yeah, it's harder, but it's harder for the wrong reasons. Completely agree with you. This was a thing they should have fixed, like with all these with all these re-releases. And this is one aspect of the game where which is just absolutely atrocious and makes no sense. It's it's bad, it's bad game design. 
It does make the game harder for sure, but it's more like it was a difficulty in translating what I wanted to do to my controls and, you mm-hmm. know, that not really, you know, accepting, you know, if, in a good in a game with a good control scheme, I think that I shouldn't really have to think about, you know, translating what I want to do into what I'm doing on the screen, right? Yeah, the other example that comes to mind of a game with an awkward control scheme, which is nonetheless appropriate, is Silent Hill 2. And I had problems with Silent Hill 2's combat being this repetitive grind of just bashing a zombie over and over, but the awkward feeling of like having to hold down one trigger to raise and then press a button to hit it was completely fine. You're not meant to be some crazed, excellent army killer. You're meant to be some guy in a in a town onset by monstrosities. And broadly speaking, I feel the same way about another world. Like James said, you're just a physicist. You're not some super duper murdering super soldier. So it's okay for the platforming to be a little awkward. It's when what you're trying to do translates into the opposite action that it yeah. becomes a problem <laughs> and it starts resembling something closer to Quop than <laughs> than a regular video game. Yeah, it was a bit clunky. Um, speaking of the shoot button, how did you feel about the combat in this game? It was very lethal and this was one of the areas in this game which I was totally fine with You know, a lot of trial and error because it made a lot of sense, right? People have ray guns, of course you die in one hit. You know, I was way more okay with dying to getting shot rapidly and getting to try again over and over because generally with the combat bits, the distance between the checkpoint and the actual combat is very close. So I was able to like, you know, try and fail very rapidly. And I'm very okay with that kind of trial and error. In fact, I enjoy it, right? I enjoy, you know, this is like the kind of game trial and error gameplay that Dark Souls bosses have, right? Like I go into it, I fail, you know, I come up with a new strategy, I try it, I fail, um, and there's no like tedious busy work um, as long as, you know, obviously the bonfire is close enough to the boss. So I quite enjoyed the combat in this game a lot more than I enjoyed the tedious puzzles and platforming. So I would say this about the combat. I think that I really enjoyed the puzzle of the combat and yes. the strategy and figuring out the tactical approach to each combat scenario. I didn't enjoy controlling the combat, and that's where the divide lies. As you play this game, you have your gun and your gun can make a shield and your gu- you can charge up your gun for a powerful blast that will destroy walls and will um, destroy shields in one shot. And you can kind of poke your gun through your shield so you're safe, but you can shoot through the shield. And the game throws a diverse array of kind of combat scenarios at you. And you need to come up with a you know, you need to come up with different strategies to overcome each one. That was all fantastic. I loved it. Yeah. Where I thought the combat was weak was in the execution of a lot of these more complicated combat scenarios. So spoilers, the number one combat strategy I kind of figured out that was my go-to was that I would drop a shield, that I would take a step forward so my gun was poking through the shield, I would charge my gun up to full, immediately to destroy the enemy's shield and follow it up with a secondary fast blast to kill the enemy behind the shield. Doing that is hard and sometimes you need to do it three or four times in succession and the final battle is the perfect example of that. And not only is it difficult, it's not enjoyable to do because when you're trying to move slightly forward to take these shots, you'll sprint a bit too far forward or you'll kind of take a step forward outside the shield and leave cover. And this goes back to the whole problem with the control scheme. If they just had these on different buttons, then you could fluidly kind of perform all these tight actions you need to do and the combat would be a million times more enjoyable. Yeah, I did not like wrestling with the controls in this game. And I agree, that is the worst part of the combat because the idea of having this like combat that's tied to a single button with a, you know, a multiple different modes depending on how long you hold it and there's actual like strategy to the combat that you need to learn. 
um, and that mm. you get taught by the enemies using it against you first and you kind of have to figure it out. And you do get better at it and faster at it. And it's really satisfying to go from like some guy just mashing the shoot button and hoping from the best to somebody who actually competently uses his weapon at by the end of the game. That was great. I loved that. That was probably one of my favorite parts of the game, you know, gameplay wise. Um, but I have to agree with you. It was frustrating when you knew what to do and sometimes you just sprinted by accident in front of a shield and got shot. Yeah, so so overall with the combat, I feel like it's, once again, there's something interesting here. Like, I, there's so many parts of this game where I'm like, man, this is kind of cool. Like, I, I like the idea of it, but it's once again fails in the execution and what could potentially be enjoyable is held back by these controls and i wish that they had taken the cut had the courage to actually make some more dramatic changes to this anniversary edition because i think that with some changes this could have been a very enjoyable game like far more enjoyable than it actually ended up being to play was there anything else you wanted to talk about the combat james or should we keep it kind of spoiler free yeah, let's keep it kind of spoiler-free. You kind of already gave away the entire, you know, gimmick of the combat, <laughs> but we'll... Uh, they won't remember. It's one thing to say it, like, good luck remembering it. that yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you kind of have to learn by doing in this game, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, let's talk a bit about um, some of the level design and the puzzles, yeah. So I think that this is the most hit-or-miss part of the game. Um, I mean, I'm going to say, for the most part, miss... Because um, a lot of the puzzles, you know, a, I think a good puzzle game will, you know, on the face of it, show you all the tools you have. Um, and then, you know, you kind of need to figure out what to do. Whereas, like, in this game, I felt like I would explore a lot. And then even after exploring, there was something all the way on the opposite side of the building that was relevant to you know, what you were trying to do, and it was really not obvious, whereas, like, other games will make that kind of thing obvious. So, for example, um, there was this really tedious section that I got stuck on where you need to dive down into some water, um, swim all the way to a bottom, um, shoot, uh, shoot a wire to turn the power off, um, and then the next room has a really, you know, impossible-to-kill enemy, and I was for sure certain that shooting the power in the water, and it takes like four minutes or something to swim through the water, um, was the solution to this, because it's like just a room apart from each other. So every time, swim all the way through the water for like four minutes, shoot the power, then try to fight the guy, and you know, it wasn't working. Turns out what you actually needed to do was backtrack a heap um, go up several floors um, until you come to this room where you can like shoot through this little hole and shoot a chandelier which will drop on its head and then you can go all the way back down and continue on with your merry life um, and it had nothing to do with what I thought it had to do um, and that was really frustrating. That specific puzzle also um, for me it wasn't backtracking I actually went to that area first and kind of figured out that part before I even got to the water area. Um, you can hear him yell when he um, when he gets hit by it. But there's some weird checkpointing thing that happened where I left the area and came from the other direction because it's kind of like the spaces are kind of connected in multiple ways. So I kind of left the area, re-entered it on a different level to shoot a guard in the back because I was having issue with shooting the guard from the other side. I'm like, that's pretty cool that I I thought that was a solution to the puzzle. And then, like, the chandelier had despawned or whatever, and it had all been restarted. And I don't know how that was happening, but that, that puzzle was just ridiculous. That that was one of the two times I had to look up a walkthrough, and it was very, very annoying. That 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 whole caves and other section is very, very, very poorly very thought Very annoying, yeah. yeah. It's annoying, too, because this is one of the... I loved the actual... Like, the bit of where you shoot the chandelier is sweet, because the chandelier is this, like, big green globe... Um, and you can't see the dude below it, but you need to, like, time it so it will land on him. So you kind of listen to his footsteps, but you can also, like, sort of see this minimalistic reflection on the bottom of mm. the chandelier. It looks really nice. Um, and I thought that this was great. This is a perfect, you know, example of the game's beautiful minimalistic graphics working alongside with the gameplay. Just 
why it had to be so obtuse. It was really frustrating. Um, whereas, like, other puzzles, um, like, something like, um, there is these, there's this room with these, like, uh, prisoners trying to escape, um, and you can kind of coerce them into pressing this button that will open this, like, door, which will allow you to, or close this door, which will allow you to get some, you know, sneaky shots on the guard. That kind of stuff is good. Um, it's like, it's short, it's self-contained, um, and, you know, it's pretty obvious after spending a while looking at it what to do. The, um, the part that got me the most stuck, and I tried really hard to figure it out, I just had no idea what was going on. There's a part, I think it's pretty close to that bit where you have to get them to close the door, is there's a guard just standing there he's not doing anything he's just kind of um behind a door and you run up you open the door and you shoot him and you carry on your way right yeah what you actually need to do is not shoot him you need to walk up the stairs walk back to a platform so you're facing him shoot open the door oh sorry put a shield up shoot open the door and then he th the ai will throw grenades at you but because there's a stairway in between you and the guard throwing grenades they'll go down the stairway and if he throws four or five down there it'll blow up the floor which opens a new passageway for you to go through and that is convoluted bullshit and i hate it so much because there might be a tiny crack in the floor I had a look at the graphics. There's maybe a crack in the floor, but it's the sort of thing that you can just easily put down to just being decay in the natural environment. There's nothing really that signposted as a clue. And having to deliberately not kill this guard and progress through the level and go to this random ledge and force him to use grenades was, I don't know how anyone figured that shit out. It, it's ridiculous and it's a terrible puzzle. I had to and look I that up too. It's like, I reckon you could have probably figured it out if, A, there was a lot more, like, on the floor there needed to be some way more visible cracks, so you, like, saw that and were like, hmm, alright, I'll think about that. Um, and then, like, when you walk up the stairs, there is that ledge that you were talking about. There is, like, no reason to go onto that ledge. Um, like, you just put a shield up, break the door, kill the guard, and you don't think anything of it, right? Like, it's mm. just a guard. You just shot him. There's no, there's nothing to signpost him as being a special guard that's going to throw grenades at you. It, uh, it was weird. Um, and this kind of like, you know, these kinds of problems kind of were throughout the entire game, you know, sprinkled here and there, and I found them incredibly frustrating. Yeah, and like you said, that example you gave of the guard uh, shutting the door to stop you getting to him is where the trial and error thing actually kind of works. Because if you run in the room and shoot him, which, you know, you can do before he runs away, you can just shoot him in the back and he dies, um, and then you try to progress to the next area... When you drop down a floor, you get shot immediately. And you're like, hmm, hmm. And then when you go in there again, you're not, you know, you'll you'll just be slightly slower off the mark and you won't kill him. You'll run towards him. He shuts the door and it also shuts the door on the floor above. And you're like, aha, it makes I know sense. what's going on now. Yeah, yeah it, it makes sense. You discover it naturalistically if you're paying attention and you can keep playing the game. When it's those small puzzles the game works well and the trial and error thing works well and you can kind of see what the game's going for but those moments are few and far between or they're sprinkled in between annoying gluts where you just get stuck and yeah. there's no logical way to progress i'd say the good well designed and self-contained puzzles are probably the minority to be honest um i thought that it's because the most annoying puzzles are also the longest ones like the caves um specifically the caves um and then there's like little fun ones like uh later on you get into a spaceship and you have to use the controls and that's all trial and error but like i did it i'm not sure if you can even fail like i did it first try and it was like really fun fail. to like poke around <laughs> on the buttons <laughs> you can definitely fail i didn't really know it was going when when it first happened i didn't see the <laughs> Because it kind of pops up with this control pad. I was like, oh, I wonder what's going on. And then uh, and then my ship got blown up and I died. <laughs> but uh, I, I did get it second or third try. 
thought that was super fun. Like, I thought that was like a fun, enjoyable thing that you got to, you know, mess around with and try frantically to operate this like alien spacecraft. It made a lot of um, sense. Another example of it working well is your friend gets caught by some enemy guards and he's being uh, held at gunpoint and you walk behind the building and can see him getting held up and then you come back in the building you drop a shield, you disarm the guard who's on him while he starts punching up the other one. Great. Like, I, I didn't get that first try. I had to try a few different things to get through it. But it was all self-contained and it all made sense. Great. I, I I thought that was well done. Yeah, there was no, like, long, tedious bit that you had to do to get to that. You know, you just got to fail it quickly and try again quickly. Um, and you didn't have to, like, scratch your head because the game, you know, really poorly didn't show you all the pieces of the puzzle. Um, that was also great. I also really liked that. Um, and I do, like, those are when the game shines, but it is, like, definitely the minority, in my opinion. Um, so let's talk a bit briefly about the story, because, you know, this is going to be a shorter episode. <laughs> There's a reason we've left the story um, for last. <laughs> Well, it's quite minimalistic. So basically, you know, the main the main crux of the story is that you end up in prison um, on an alien planet and you bust out with your alien friend and you, you know, you kind of work together to get out of the prison. And I thought that um, the way, you know, the interplay between you and your partner was like one of my favorite parts of the game, honestly. Um, I thought that it felt very natural, like, this is an AI companion that is clever and will do, you know, he'll help you out in, like, really unexpected ways. Like, one of the things that happens early in the game um, is that you're running down, a, running down a hallway and, you know, all of a sudden there's a guard and he grabs you and th stuffs you into this little chute right at the start. Um, and it's quite unexpected, but it, you know, it makes sense and it's really, it felt very natural to me, um, your interactions with him. Uh, it didn't feel like, you know, uh, an NPC with a brain dead AI. It felt like a real character to me. Yeah, one of the things it does well is it has you split up and then meet up again. And sometimes you're rescuing him and sometimes he's rescuing you. And uh, you'll keep, you know, diverging paths because one of you, you know, unfortunately gets split up. But you've got each other's backs, you know. And like you, I agree. I think the relationship between the two of you is really good. Um, particularly since this game has no dialogue. Like, it's all told through the animations and the gestures and the actions of the characters. And I think that, you know, you get a real sense of mateship between the two characters. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It comes through brilliantly, you know, with how minimalistic it is. It's brilliant. Um, I, I love how much, you know, expressiveness there is. And there isn't, like, I'm not, I don't want to oversell it. I don't want to say this is the most expressive, you know, two-character relationship <laughs> I've ever seen. But it's definitely like way more than I was expecting for a game that looks the way it yeah, does. You, you believe in it, which is, you know, in some Absolutely, ways the highest, yeah. uh, highest grade we can give it. You, you believe in their, in their friendship. Yeah. I will say, though, I don't think that the end of the game has like a real payoff. It just kind of like ends. Mm -hmm. You do eventually escape spoilers, um, and that's kind of it. But you kind of escape on it like... It's like you do this room and then the next room you've escaped and it's like the end. And I was like, what? That's the end? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I kind of wasn't expecting it. I was I was surprised as well. It feels, and this is, the, the game is very short. Like you kind of get through this final battle and then the game is effectively over with, you know, one minor kind of puzzle timing, timing puzzle to solve, I guess you'd call it. It's It's kind of underwhelming. Um, and like you, I found the the ending, you know, pretty bad. <laughs> unsatisfying. I, I, yeah, unsatisfying yeah, was... is maybe a better way to put it. It's just, you know, you escape into the sunset and the game ends. And you're like, well, I feel like there was much potentially a lot more to this story. And uh, it would have been nice to see what happened to uh, to our physicist to see if he escaped back to his own world or if, you know, or if he never did. Either would have been fine, but it kind of ends too soon. But maybe if it had gone on and on and on in terms of plot, it would have overstayed its welcome. So there's something to be said for just ending it. I think the length was fine. I think it just needed something more. Like, the intro cutscene is really, like, eye-catching and a lot happens and, you know, it's really cool. 
I think something like that at the end as well would have been a great way to like close the book on the story. But it's like two seconds of cutscene, right? Like you just go off into the sunset and that's it. Like I wanted a bit more. Maybe maybe I'm a sucker for depressing endings, but I would have loved this to end with you guys just getting, you know, shot with a million bullets and then the game ends. And to me that would have been No way. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> that would have been a far more satisfying ending because the entire world is so lethal. It, it just it, it makes sense that you'd get to a point where there was no way out, a dead end, and then you have to f- survive for as long as you can before both of you get killed. And I kind of like the the uh, the tragedy of that. That to me seems like a fitting end. <laughs> but maybe maybe no. maybe my tendencies are just going forward. I, I like sad endings and depressing endings. Well, I, the game had this kind of like isolationist atmosphere. I would have liked. I would have preferred like one of them sacrifices for the other kind of ending. Yeah. Probably you know your friend, and then you're just kind of like alone again. That seems like the kind of like you know uh low low energy kind of ending that seemed appropriate they're like i don't know it was it was one yeah i could i i would prefer that to the ending but i still think that both of them die horribly would have been better <laughs> maybe that says more no. about me than the game <laughs> <laughs> too sadistic okay um i don't have a lot of notes about this game other than frustrating trial and error and you know beautiful graphics those are my key takeaways from another world patrick is there oh the sound was quite good actually the sound effects i thought that all of the sound effects were really good um Um, but i don't have a lot to say about yeah i i think that the sound this is one area so you can toggle between the classic sound and the high definition sound and i think you should play the game with the high definition sound a hundred percent uh because i listened to some of the sound effects from the older versions of the game and they're very muted and underwhelming whereas the new sound effects it's not just the grisly deaths as you get torn to pieces or you know drown or anything it's also just the slapping of your feet as you're running along along add a lot to the atmosphere so yeah play with high definition sounds they add a lot and they're um as james said they're excellent i like them a lot my favorite bit was specifically like when you use your blaster to blast a hole in a rock surface. Mm. The like the sound the rocks make when they fall down really good. Yeah, blasters noises are great. I sound sound effects are great and are worth mentioning. Yeah. So did you want to rather wrap up that? Yeah, let's move on to final impressions. So Another World is fascinating curio. Like if you're reviewing this from a historical perspective, it does so much that's interesting. However, from the perspective of me who played this game today, I did not have a great time with Another World and I cannot in good faith recommend it. I think that this game is filled with interesting ideas. Um, I think the gun combat is fascinating. I think that the graphics are beautiful. I think that the concept of trial and error a la Edge of Tomorrow, All You Need Is Kill is very cool. And I think that you could make a really good game out of all of these things even today. The way it's implemented, it ends up being a mess. The puzzles aren't fun. The control scheme is a nightmare. And a lot of the time, you're trial and erroring over huge chunks of area instead of it being nice, small, tight and contained areas. So, um, yeah, this is not a good game. You shouldn't play it today. I can't recommend it. But there are a lot of interesting things about it and interesting things to take from it. And I don't regret playing it because it exposed me to some cool ideas. I'm kind of on the same boat. Um, I'm probably a little bit higher on it than you. I think the visuals in this game are just, like, gorgeous. I love the way the game looks. I love the way each room is framed with really interesting foreground and, you know, shot composition. It looks awesome. And I love when everything just kind of works and you get these really nice little puzzles that are self-contained. But, like you, I reckon the majority of my, like, two-hour experience was just pure frustration. And it wasn't, like, a good kind of frustration that, like, once I finally succeeded, I felt good about it. Like, I was like, yes, I finally beat this really difficult boss that I've been slamming my head against for, like, an hour or so. It wasn't that kind of feeling. It was just kind of like, I'm dead. Okay, I'm going to do the run again. Right, this isn't fun. Okay, thank fuck I finally got past that bit. (sighs) 
Another World is a beautiful game, but it's an intensely frustrating experience. And like Patrick, I can't in good consciousness recommend other people go through that as well. Honestly, I think it's absolutely worth watching a playthrough of this game. Um, but actually playing it yourself, no. Um, I can't recommend that. Okay, so that's Another World. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to us gab on for an hour about this 1991 highly regarded masterpiece. I mean, time has told and our verdicts have decreed it otherwise, but, you know. But it was a pleasure to have you here with us. My name is Patrick Arthur, and I was joined by James Turlings. We make up the Retrospectives podcast. Each and every fortnight, we review these classic games of the past. You can find all of our content on our website, which is rspodcast.net. It's got links to all the games that we've reviewed for the podcast, a heap of articles that we've written about those old games and even some new ones, and it's got all of our social media links. The most important of which, of course, is our Discord server. Our Discord server is where we continue the discussions and the arguments that we have on the episodes, and where we take recommendations from listeners, and where we spend a hell of a lot of time talking about Dark Souls, and I wouldn't have it any other way. (laughs) So please uh, (laughs) drop by our Discord, tell us what you think, if you think Another World is a masterpiece, or if we have rightly said it is garbage, (laughs) with some interesting aspects, that being said, we'd love to have you drop on by. Garbage is too harsh. I wouldn't call it garbage. I would call it un- <laughs> underwhelming. Yeah, garbage is too harsh. I agree with you, James. I'm uh, I'm falling into <laughs> rhetoric. I uh, can't help it. <laughs> Alrighty, um, that wraps it up. So time to talk about what we're doing next fortnight. And we have an exceptionally special episode. We're being joined by Chris of the Retro Asylum podcast. Um which is apparently the largest UK podcast, which he proudly proclaims on both of his Twitter and the Retro Asylum Twitter's page, so I'm sure it must be true. Um, We're going to be playing through Fallout 1. We haven't ever done a CRPG before for the show, and I've actually never finished uh, one of these old-school CRPGs, although I've dabbled in them, a lot of them, um, at least temporarily. So I'm very excited to play Fallout 1 from start to finish to figure out if it's a true classic. Yeah, I mean, Fallout 1's a game I always kind of wanted to play for the show, but, you know, picking the right time for it was always tricky. Um, My experience with CRPGs is also kind of limited. You know, I don't think I've ever fully finished one from start to finish, but I've tried Baldur's Gate, you know, 1 and 2, and I've tried Icewind Dale a couple of times, but I never really got super far into them. So I'm kind of, you know, happy to have... It's kind of nice having the show to, like, force you to play these (laughs) games that you always, like, kind of wanted to play but never found the motivation for. So I'm really excited to go back to looking at these, you know, these classic Fallout titles as opposed to uh, the newer games, which I was pretty hit or miss on. Yeah, there there are some interesting comparison points because I've played um, newer CRPGs like Dragon Age Origins and Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2, and I've played Fallout 3 and I've played the crap out of Fallout 3 New Vegas. I've played Underrail. In fact, I'm probably Underrail's number one fan. I can't. I w- won't shut up about it. So I've got lots of reference points, except the classic CRPG experience. So it's 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 going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, looking forward to it. Absolutely. Alrighty, uh, we'll see you guys in two weeks for Fallout One with Chris of the Retro Asylum Podcast. Later.